1: To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Preacher Boys Podcast. On today's episode of the show, I'm sitting down once again with Steve Boffman. Uh, We did an episode about the Ravi Zacharias story. Steve has been spending the better part of five years investigating all the credential fraud, the affairs... Um, Just all of the controversy and scandal surrounding Ravi Zacharias. And uh, just recently, a report was released uh, from RZIM and from the independent investigators involved and confirmed uh, a bunch of incredible cover-up that had happened, confirming a bunch of uh, sexual abuse that happened on the part of Ravi Zacharias, a bunch of uh, just blatant lies. And uh, it was a pretty damning report. Um, And there's been a lot of fallout over the last few days. And so I thought it was only fair to bring Steve back on the show, uh, talk about what's happened, see what he's identified as being some of the interesting parts of this story and uh, to talk a little bit about what he expects to see in the coming days. If you haven't already, I urge you please pick up a copy of Steve's book, Cover Up in the Kingdom. Uh, It's like five bucks right now. It's on sale on Amazon. It is an amazing, amazing book uh, that details the early part of the Ravi story, the credential fraud, uh, the uh, suicide threats, the uh, sexual Uh, relationship with Laurie Ann Thompson, a young woman from Canada who Ravi used his position and power to uh, both sexually take advantage of and to silence. Uh, It's just an incredible book. So pick up a copy, Steve Boffman's Cover Up in the Kingdom. I'll have a link in the description of this video. Uh, You can check it out and pick up a copy. You definitely won't regret it. Um, We'll dive into this episode right now. So welcome Steve Boffman to the show. He's done an incredible job. Let's talk to him right now
2: big news, of course, is that the Miller report just came out. This is the law firm that Ravi's own ministry hired after he died to investigate primarily the spa allegations. And this report, uh, 13 pages, it is explosive. Uh, it uh, One of the, the uh, most significant parts of it is that they had access to four of Ravi's cell phones over the years. And these cell phones contained nude photos of um, a Southeast Asian massage person. It contained a massage woman with whom he had what appears to be a very close personal relationship. It contains love, communic- uh, amorous communications between Ravi and various women in in Southeast Asia and, um, and or in in Malaysia and Korea. Uh, we learned that Ravi owned two apartments in Bangkok that he would spend lots of time alone in his hotel rooms. And they checked his cell phone records and saw that during Um, some of those alone times in the hotel room, he had massage women uh, show up. So uh, a number of the women that the law firm, uh, I think they, they mentioned about six women in the Georgia spas who they interviewed said Ravi um, frequently had an erection during, um, during the massages that he had there. Um, Several of them said he would touch his penis. Several of them said he would ask them to touch his penis. I think four or five of them said that he um, touched them inappropriately. There were allegations of sexual assault. Uh, And one of the most interesting things was one of them uh, with whom Ravi had been sexually inappropriate, Ravi asked her to be his traveling massage person. And what I had known before, but it was interesting to see it come out in the Miller Report was that Ravi had a personal traveling masseuse um, who would go with him, a woman. And uh, we can only imagine, we don't know what exactly went on between those two. But given that he asked one of these women with whom he had been sexually inappropriate to be his traveling massage person, we can have a pretty good idea that his relationship with his traveling massage woman was not simply a therapeutic one. So this goes on and on, Eric, and it's just ugly. And now it's now confirmed beyond any dispute that Ravi Zacharias was a terrible out of control, sexual predator and a major hypocrite.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's almost reading the report. It's almost a Jeffrey Epstein type. I mean, you've got your, you've got people getting moved around. You've got, I mean, it's. it is essentially like sex trafficking, these women from these you know, you know, Southeast Asian countries to, to come and perform sex acts. Like he was bringing, uh, what shocked me in the report is like, he, he always referred to his back condition and that was the defense that was given. But then the women weren't even certified. Like it, it sounded, it sounded like in the initial responses that, okay, it's women who are specialists who are getting flown in to deal with this very specific back problem, but it's people who were not even, they didn't have any credentials within that, that realm at all. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, I mean, it's hard to say I, it's not shocking, uh, but it was surprising, I guess the level to which it went, you know, and, and you mentioned on our last time we talked, you know, yes, there was a lot of obvious fraud and and credential things and things like that, but we both were shocked when the news about the spas came out. And then now it, it, by the, by this point, it just doesn't seem too surprising anymore. It just seems like, well, this only seems to follow the pattern.
2: The the really interesting issue, which which you just touched on, for me anyway, um, I'm an immigration attorney, and I think this Miller report of immigration fraud, and this is significant because it's really hard as a massage therapist from Thailand or Korea or Malaysia uh, or India to get a visa to come work in the United States. So in order for that to have happened, somebody would have had to do a, a, a fake application. There would have had to be um, fraudulent documents submitted to the US immigration authorities to get visas for these women. At least I think that's a high probability. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting here is that if that had happened, those records would be available now. If um, the, uh, it, let's say RZIM or one of, uh, one of Ravi's other organizations had petitioned for a woman say in Thailand to come be a massage therapist, Um, or had petitioned for a a woman to come to the United States and work for them, they probably would have had to represent to the U.S. immigration authorities that she was something other than a massage therapist. They would have had to make up some more glamorous, more um, high-tech title for her in order to get a visa for her. And there's a paper trail somewhere on all this. And if the organization, if RZIM or whichever Ravi organization did this stuff, destroyed those documents, they're available through the Freedom of Information Act. So anyone who wants to really look into this um, should be able to find the documents. Uh, And this is a hot story because it means that it wasn't just Ravi doing this. I seriously doubt Ravi sat down and filled out immigration applications for the women he wanted to have in Georgia massaging him. It must have been someone else.
0: Well, you mentioned RZIM and yeah, this doesn't happen by itself. Like he didn't orchestrate everything. Um, And so I think what's been really interesting to watch, and it's what you've probably been very busy with the last couple of days is the various responses from people who've left RZIM because they're upset with the situation. Because the reality is not every single person at RZIM is going to know what's happening. Like it's going to be, there's going to be people who legitimately were bamboozled, like a lot of people were to think like, oh, there's nothing going on. They're told that there's this crazy atheist, Steve, uh, Steve Boffman, who's, uh, you know, playing the banjo and trying to attack uh, Ravi Mm -hmm. and, you know, all these different things. But um, I, I guess as you kind of look at, as you look at all the players involved, all the people who've responded to you over the years, you know, slammed the Thompsons over different things, who've gone after you, um, you know, what are some of the key players that stand out, and do you see anything encouraging happening with certain people with RZIM, and then who are some people who are really trying to keep suppressing this story that are that are really just frustrating you right now? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So first of all, RZIM never really said anything bad about me publicly. Um, They were, uh, Ravi apparently was aware that I'm, I I was, would have sued him if he, if, if he'd done that. So he, uh, so, so they were pretty, I never felt that they were unfair with me. They said a few things about some vague critics that were clearly about me, but they never used my name and said bad things about me. Um, but, uh, but Ravi did make, uh, there's something very interesting um, that came out a few days after the Miller report. In fact, I think it was this, I don't know, four, four or five days ago, the present PR manager for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, Ruth Malhotra, wrote a very, very long letter um, which was leaked to the press and it, it appeared on the French press, David French's um, blog. Mm-hmm. And this was explosive. This contained all sorts of information about people within the organization um, actively suppressing news about Ravi. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things was Abdu Murray, who's now a very senior person at the minister- ministry, at the, um, the international ministries at RZIM, had suggested that they hire a buddy of his who was a, an ex-cop who doesn't have a light touch to interview the, the, the women, the spa witnesses. Mm. So this is the kind of thing that mafia organizations do. And it looks right. like, you know, okay, they didn't break any knees, any kneecaps. They didn't hold guns to anyone's head, but they were pondering, they, they were intimidating people. They were intimidating people inside the organization. They ne- I should be clear, they never actually hired this cop, but this was proposed by a lawyer at, in a senior position at RZIM, Abdul Murray. Um, but they were clearly um, suspicious of employees within an RZIM who were asking difficult questions, people who were trying to hold the powers that be to account. And one of the interesting things was in January of 2018, um, uh, they had a, an RZIM-wide Zoom conference where it was clear to many of the employees that, RZ, that Ravi's explanation for the Thompson, his response right. to the Thompson um, was to the Thompson's was nonsensical. So here we see many employees from RZIM as early as January of was weeks after the lawsuit settled, already having serious doubts about Ravi's story. Now, you couple that with the fact that Ravi's story, the story was nonsensical to anybody who, who wanted to take a look at it. There's an email paper trail. There's his suicide threat. By January of 2018, it was obvious to anyone who had eyes to see that Ravi had lied to get out of uh, an online sex scandal and a grooming incident we had he had with a married woman, a young married woman. Um, this was a p- apparent, but... We're, that was over a, two years ago now, and we're mm-hmm. only just now seeing people come out. It's almost like I don't want to be overly cynical because, you know, there, apparently people like Ruth Malhotra were carefully documenting what was going on inside the organization. We're deeply concerned about what was happening. We're hoping for um, fair treatment for victims. But I also have to tell you, Eric, that was over two years ago, and we're only just now in the past couple of months seeing people come out and say, enough is enough. I'm going public. And that bothers me. Yeah. And I, I hope someday we hear more from the, 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 the very big number of good folks inside RZIM as why you folks waited so long. Right. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I'm thankful for those who have the courage to come out now, but that's a real question that I hope will eventually come to light.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a welcome to the party situation. You know, it's like, it's been, this conversation has been going now. I mean, you've been doing this for almost five years, a little bit over. And, you know, now you have, you know, you mentioned Michael Brown and like some of the other folks that are slowly starting to jump in. Um, yeah. And yeah, the responses, it just seems odd that it's now the the time. Like it's, it's like once the organization confirmed it, then it's okay. But when other people were kind of blowing the whistle on it, it was, it was a kind of faux pas to kind of bring it up
2: it's like they waited until it was safe to be courageous. And, yeah. and, and I'm not just talking about people with Inside RZIM, I'm talking about HarperCollins Christian Publishing. They canceled yeah. all of Ravi's deals and uh, recalling books a few weeks ago. HarperCollins Christian Publishing knew years ago
1: yeah.
2: about Ravi's um, fraud and about his um, sexual abuse in the Thompson case. And I know they did because I corresponded in great detail with, or I corresponded with their their assistant general counsel and provided him with a pile of information. So, and then his response was, sorry, no comment. Uh, you know, then, then they proceeded business as usual with book deals with Ravi. So there's a lot of cowardice um, and business opportunism in the highest reaches of evangelism that I I hope becomes the real story now, right? We've got bad preacher, he got taken down. That's really entertaining for a lot of people. It's sort of a blood sport. And I just hope that it is is a lot more than that eventually that we start looking at or that you folks start looking at um, what sort of a lesson needs to be learned here. And I hope it's one of institutional change. There's a massive celebrity culture happening in evangelism that needs and breeds and covers up for narcissistic male leaders.
0: No. right. And as
2: long as we make this just about Ravi, that's going to keep happening. Seems no. It seems to me anyway.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. where the story has been is on Ravi. And there's very few talking about what's the organization that made this possible. <laughs> what are the, yeah. you know, what, what situation made this possible? Um, I just want to cover one last element of this before um, I, I want to get your take on what you think is going to happen over the next couple of weeks and, and months. But um, I know that uh, Ravi's uh, son, Nathan's been, been posting quite a bit and has specifically uh, alluded to you uh, pretty clearly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, I, I understand the, probably some of the, the hurt and the, you know, there's, there's a lot of probably confusion on that side, but then also um, the evidence is there. Um, and so it, it seems like a case where one, probably just wasn't wise to put out a statement um, when things are this raw and fresh. Um, but also um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of the, some of the posts that have been made, you know, specifically referring to, you know, you just being on this vendetta or being this crazy. Uh, I think that was the the adjective that was used This kind of crazy pursuit to bring down uh, Ravi. Like w- what's kind of your response? What, what were your takeaways from seeing some of that stuff go out?
2: Well, um- I think some of those folks should keep their mouths shut. I don't think Nathan Zacharias is really helping his family cause right Mm -hmm. now. Um, I, I should say that, you know, I wasn't a model disgustant in my early years of, in my first six months or so of, I mean, I put up videos that were not well thought out. I had my facts down cold, but My tone was often mocking and it gave them an excuse to say, we're not going to listen to this guy because he Mm -hmm. sounds kind of crazy. And I did sound kind of crazy and I pretty quickly removed those videos and started putting up less crazy ones. So they had an excuse early on to say this guy's wacko, let's ignore him it didn't last very long. And Mm. if they'd really wanted to, even if a crazy person is giving you evidence that your house is on fire, uh, if the evidence is good, and if you really care about the issue, you're going to look at the evidence, regardless of who's giving it to you. So Mm. um, Nathan, uh, well, Ravi was himself the model of craziness on this. I don't know if you saw in Ruth Malhotra's letter, she has a, a segment of a of a blog post that he wanted published that was about me. Um, she called it Ravi's Obsession with Steve Boffman. And he accused me of hiring private investigators to follow him and his family, which is just absurd. Um, he suggested that I'd hacked their phones. Um, and uh, these are just wild and crazy things that I don't know where he got. Anything like this? Yeah, I hired private investigators to do really mundane things. One I hired to check out the Thompsons, uh, the the public record, um, the public records in Canada, to see if the if Robbie's claim that the Thompsons were in financial oh, dre- right. distress was true. Um, it had nothing to do with stalking Ravi. And I hired a private investigator to go to the library of a seminary in New York where Ravi said he'd been chair of a department um, because I knew there were no departments, but I actually needed someone to go there and I wasn't yeah, going to fly fun. to New York to do it. So I hired two private investigators. For Ravi to then say that I hired private investigators to follow him and his family is just, he's either just a, a vicious liar or a paranoid you yeah. in a psychiatric kind of way, he's yeah. really one of the two. I don't see any way around or, that.
0: Or both. I mean, we, we know he was a rampant liar, but also with the amount of stuff that he was doing, he probably was a little bit paranoid because he had people like you hot on his tail.
2: Could be. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he mentioned in his lawsuit that sometimes he needed high security because there were death threats in various Middle Eastern countries. So I don't think he had an easy life. But none of that excuses um, the kinds of things he did to the Thompsons and the kinds of things he did to these women and the kind of things, the public statements he made to donors about um, proclaiming innocence and just the whole thing of pretending to be a devout man who really cared about the dictates of the gospel and of Christianity. He was absolutely not following what he preached. Right,
0: right. Well, um, I know we're kind of near the end of our time here. I'm curious if you could see anything happen over the next few weeks, or if you're looking for something specific to happen over these next few weeks. I know you mentioned obviously questioning the institutions, but are, do you kind of have, when you're waking up and checking the news, are you looking for anything specific? Are you expecting anything? Uh, what are you kind of, uh, what are you kind of looking forward to over the next uh, next couple of weeks and months as we dig a little bit deeper than just the initial scandal?
2: Yeah. I I don't know what to expect. I can tell you two things that I'm really hoping for. First of all, I'm hoping that somebody does a really thorough investigation on immigration fraud, because I think this was I I suspect there was human trafficking going on. I suspect Mm -hmm. that there were um, there was really bad stuff that. Ravi did not pull off on his own. So the the immigration fraud issue, the human trafficking issue, I think is where we see real complicity on the part of the organization, whether it's RZIM or um, Wellspring International or the Zacharias Trust, I don't know. But this was not just Ravi acting alone. So I'm hoping that some folks, and it'll probably have to be people on the inside, maybe a new board, Um, will say we need to look into this and find out what complicity there was on the part of the organization that's one thing I really hope again immigration fraud and human trafficking the other part is I'm hoping that there'll be a real serious um, bit of self-reflection and looking at the institutional issues here this was um, the, the the evangelical Christianity and I I'm no expert, but it sure seems to me like it is addicted to its charismatic, narcissistic, primarily male, but also some female leaders. And this is a a recipe for disaster. This is a recipe for abuse. This is a recipe for um, dishonesty and being able to say whatever you want because you know that nobody's going to hold you accountable. If 35 or 40 years ago, whenever it was that Robbie first got started, Uh, 40 some years ago, um, if Ravi had gotten nudged by his Christian colleagues, his senior Christian colleagues as a young minister, um, and someone had said, Ravi, you can't do this. You can't start calling yourself a doctor without letting it be known that it's an honorary doctorate. Or they started later saying, no, you can't call yourself a Cambridge educated. You can't do this, Ravi. Things would have been different, but not a single person did that. As far as I know, no, not a single Christian ever confronted Rabbi Zacharias public on publicly on his credential fraud, which was open and blatant, and anyone who wanted to see would have been able to see it. Um, so there's an institutional element here that I'm hoping you guys talk about because, again, other it's going to be it's just going to be more abuse um, and more lack of integrity if if the if evangelical Christianity really pins its hopes on charismatic figures, charismatic leaders who can get butts on pews and who can make bucks off books. That's the culture now. And that's more important than integrity. That's even more important than the religion. Mm. And that's the discussion that I hope happens.
0: Right. And it's not
2: my department, you know, it's not my not my group. Right.
0: No, I think that's important. And that's what I'm hoping happens as well. Like I like you said, the the scandal is easy to share and you know there's Um, People get excited about the, you know, the big story, um, but it takes a lot of perseverance and and digging into those minute details. I, I mean, it seems even strange saying minute details with the type of thing we're talking about, but the things that go beyond just those kind of catchy headlines uh, and really dive into, you know, what's the paperwork say, what is this, what, you know, how is it structured? Cause that's how you prevent it moving forward. And uh, I, I do, I've said it before. I appreciate, I know you get a lot of people who don't, um, but I appreciate the work you put into this and for the putting in that patient kind of. Work digging away at this. Um, uh, are you Are you planning on amending uh, your book a little bit to include some of this, or are you gonna?
2: Um, g- good question. I I really would like to not do that. I'm I'm very <laughs> eager to wash my hands of yeah, all things Ravi Zacharias. I mean, it's it's been a really negative headspace for the past yeah. five and a half years. Um, uh, you know, I did it because it fell into my lap and I realized that no one else was doing it. Yeah. And so I pursued it and I kept finding more and more dirt, but um, it's not something I'm really enjoying. And I've, I think I've done what I can do. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to keep digging up Ravi Zacharias dirt. I think there, there's other folks doing that now. And, and so I'm, I'm happy to retire from that. So I'm hoping that someone writes a really thoughtful and thorough book on Ravi that includes the spa scandals. The, um, the immigration issues has a, uh, evaluates them psychologically because there's a very rich um, story there and also looks at the institutional issues um, but I don't think it's going to be me um, I, I should say Eric, um, there's a uh, there are people I'm really encouraged that there are some folks who are the Christian folks who are looking at, um, the institutional issues from an academic point of view, and trying to do something about. It. I know Laurie Ann Thompson is very interested in this. She's since got a master's degree um, that touches on the how how abuse like this happens within organizations. There's a scholar at I think the at the University of Oregon named Jennifer Freid who is looking into this on a on an academic level, but hoping to bring about some uh, more awareness of the institutional um, abuse. Uh, Betrayal blindness, what keeps people from speaking out, what keeps people from um, going along with abusive leaders. Um, And these are really important issues. And I'm very happy to hear that there seems to be some momentum for getting more attention on those issues. So that's what I'm hoping for.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping for the same. And again, thank you so much for all the work you've done in this and uh, hope yeah. you do get to step away soon. And uh, I know that'll be that'll probably be a relief after all this time, but I'm glad people are paying attention. Um, it's yeah, been, it's, it's taken it's really long enough to get there. <laughs> so. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thanks thank for you having Steve. me on Eric. Thank you for listening to the preacher boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show. Please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels.